Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your city upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Hey, thank you for tuning into the podcast. This is the Grace for the City podcast, and I'm your host, Justin. Hey, we're helping you turn your cities upside down. What do we mean by that? Well, it says in the Bible that these great men and women of God, they turned their world upside down. How did they do that? Because there was great grace upon them. That's what the book of Acts says. And so our podcast is Grace for the City. Well, why do you need the grace? Because you're going to turn it upside down. And turning it upside down, in effect, is really righting wrongs. The wrongs have already perverted stuff. And so you, who are a minister of righteousness, what is righteousness? It is the right way of being and doing. You, who are commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, are going out there and you are finding these wrongs where evil has been perpetrated and you are the light. Come on, somebody. You are salt and light, and you're going out there, and people are able to call upon the name of the Lord because of what you're doing, and guess what? Their world is being turned upside down, or really the perversion, the twistedness that they've been living in is now being made right. Hallelujah. Well, how are we doing that? Well, we dig into the scriptures, and we're giving you scriptural scriptural motivation and scriptural strategies so you can get out there and get some stuff done for King Jesus. Hallelujah. So thank you again, friends, for tuning in to the podcast. Uh, I believe today is our 71st episode. Hallelujah. We probably should have shouted on 70. 70 seems huge. 71. But we're nearing 100 episodes. And I think 100 episodes in the podcast industry is somewhat of a milestone. So I want to say thank you for tuning in and, 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 and being a part of this assignment that the Lord has us on. We're in this together, friends. And, uh, you know, uh, before the actual recording of this podcast that, that you're listening to now, uh, we also live stream on Facebook and I always say a few things to our audience there. And so if you want to watch the podcast then go to facebook.com forward slash grace for this city podcast, and you can see some behind the scenes things, uh, behind the scenes things there. But I was telling the viewers how thankful and grateful I am because the Bible talks about a partnership in Ephesians 4.16, that uh, when every part does their share, that it causes growth to the entirety of the body. And this podcast is not built upon Justin. In fact, you know, uh, the, the Lord said, don't get your name. Don't, don't work to get your name out there. Work to get the word out. And that is our mission. We're just trying to get the word out, not trying to get our name out there. But we're not doing it alone. And there's a supply being made available, especially if you're a regular uh, participant with our podcast. If you believe in what we're doing, if you've been encouraged and strengthened, if you pray for us ever, and I, and I ask you to pray for us, pray for the podcast that it gets exactly where it needs to go. I mean, we're finding ourselves in some of the craziest places around the globe, but I believe that the Lord is orchestrating that strategically because he's encouraging the body wherever they may be. But I want to say thank you because we're not doing that alone. Your supply is uh, causing the anointing to be at a level uh, that it wouldn't have been without you because of your supply. And so thank you, friends. I want to say thank you for praying for the podcast, for believing in it. Uh, whenever you pray for the podcast, uh, join us in our petition that it would get into 
the hands or the ears. It would get into the hearts. It would get to the people that need it the most. Hallelujah. And that they would be strengthened and equipped wherever they may be. Hallelujah. Now, whatever rewards we receive for being faithful in our assignment, guess what? You share in those rewards. Hallelujah. So, you know, j j join us for the reward sake. Hallelujah. Remember, that's what he said. We got to believe that he is and that he is a what? He is a rewarder. So join us for the reward sake. Partner with the podcast. Pray for us. Pray for the podcast. All right, let's get into the lesson today. Oh, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. He's going to help us today. Help us turn the world upside down. Let's get some strategies. Come on, let's get motivated today. And um, I'm going to talk about something that uh, I've, I've just been meditating on, um, you know, in the last couple of weeks, and it's about the inner man. Now, it's very important that we understand that you are not just a body and you are not a brain. Man, I tell you, there's some crazy, there's some uh, really weird beliefs out there and uh, a lot of antichrist beliefs. And the Bible warned us about that because, you know, anti is oppositional, but anti uh, functionally is also substitutional. And so the devil's working overtime right now. Satan and all of his demons, they're working overtime providing uh, substitutions for people. So there's all kinds of crazy beliefs out there. But the Bible is clear as it begins to define the makeup of mankind and the reality is, is you are a spirit. Now, you may be a spirit that is dead unto Christ, but when you are born again, then your spirit man is recreated. And the Bible says that uh, according to the New Testament covenant or the covenant that was revealed in the categorization of the New Testament books of the Bible, uh, that this covenant, according to this covenant, it made provisions that those who would be born again would be a new creation that has never existed before. Oh, hallelujah. Something special about that. And now we can commune with God directly. And if you remember Jesus, he's at the well uh, with the woman at the well, and he's, he, he begins to minister to her. And part of what he's ministering to her is that very truth right there. And he said, the hour is coming, which means just momentarily, uh, he was talking about after his death, burial, and resurrection, then there would be opportunity for people to be born again. But he said, God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit. Remember in the lady, she was talking about how, uh, you know, she's been ostracized, basically, uh, that she's not able to go to that place or this place or worship on that mountain, even though their, their ancestors did, but now they're not able to, you know, and there was a, uh, interesting you know her particular situation had some uh details to it but generally jesus was telling this woman not just her but others as well that hey look shortly you won't have to go to that place or to that mountain or to that temple you won't have to go to a particular location to be able to worship god there won't have to be these uh certain requirements in order for you to present yourself no soon uh, you'll be able to worship God the way that he wants to be and commune with him the way he wants to be communed with, and that's via the Spirit. And he goes on to tell her in the book of John that God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in, or we could say by, the Spirit. So this is the 
really, we need to grab a hold of this revelation that you are not a body, you have a body. And Paul referred to it as his tent. Uh, this was, again, this was part of the, 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 the prophetic vision into the New Testament when uh, Jesus, or the Feast of Tabernacles, okay, it, 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 you know, and the Tent of Meeting, <laughs> and the, the, the fact that he tabernacled among us and we beheld his glory, the unseen God took upon flesh or a tent, and we were able to now have something visual. And that's the reality is that even though God is a spirit, he took upon himself a tent, a body. So you are a spirit, but you have or you live in a body. Paul called that body a tent, okay? It's a Sukkot, it's a, it's a tabernacle. We're tabernacling here, basically, okay? And, uh, but that's not who you are. You are not just a body. You are not just a bag of bones and blood and muscle and nerves. I mean, this, this, this body is amazing. It's so intricate, it's, 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 it's fabulous, but a lot of people make a big deal of that at the expense of the knowledge and becoming acquainted with who they really are, and that's a spirit. So part of the covenant is that you would be a recreated spirit and you would be able to commune with God directly and the spirit of God would dwell in you. Oh, hallelujah. So you are a spirit. You possess a soul. The soul part of you is your mind, will, the emotional part of, of, of you. And then you live in a body. Now there are desires uh, the Bible uses this word lusts, doesn't mean sexual, it can include that, but there's less strong desires for certain things. Your flesh will desire certain things. And the Bible says, look, you need to know the difference between spirit and body, spirit, soul, soul, body. You need to know the difference here because you could be led away or held captive to the lusts of the flesh, etc. And in Galatians in particularly, it says that your spirit and your flesh, they're contrary to one another, meaning, uh, ultimately meaning that the, the flesh part of you doesn't have the mind for spiritual things. Your spirit man, if born again, is awakened unto spiritual realities. You've got the Holy Ghost living in you. You've got communion with God, access to God now, and the flesh just doesn't have a mind for that. And so sometimes they war against one another. But if you're not spiritually minded, usually what, what happens even to born again believers, if they're not spiritually minded, they end up doing whatever the flesh wants because that's the part of them they're most acquainted with. Well, listen, friends, this is where we've got to grow up. I, you know, hey, it, it's time now, come on, it's time that we grow up and we begin to put emphasis where the emphasis was intended. And that's you need to develop your inner man, your spirit man. All right, now let's look at this um, uh, from this perspective, and we'll we'll start here in First John chapter five. First John five verse ten. It says, "He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself." Now, this verse in context, we didn't read the whole context, but this verse in context is speaking about when you were born again. Holy Spirit, who just recreated your spirit. He's, he's the one 
who's hovering, right? Just like in the book of Genesis, Holy Spirit's hovering. He's waiting for the word of the Lord to be revealed, then he goes to work. So you're the the Holy Spirit just recreated your spirit. Now, Holy Spirit, according to, to Romans, is bearing witness. Bearing witness would be a legal term. He's testifying of what just happened. He is attesting. Uh, he's telling. Okay, that, that's what bearing witness. It means to tell, to testify, to to attest. He's uh, he's He was a third-party witness and observer to what just happened. Now he's bearing witness in your spirit that you are born again. Now, you may think that after you were born again that uh, you didn't even know it until somebody, a neighbor, a friend, a family, some somebody at some point said, whoa, what happened to you? You're different. Well, the Bible's the Bible doesn't say that's what, what happens. When you were born again, now you might have to um, think about this for a moment, but when you were born again, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit bore witness or he testified to you that you were born again and he didn't do it externally. He did it within your spirit. He did it within your spirit. On the inside of you, he bore witness that you were now a child of God. That's what the Bible says happened. And if you'll think about it, I think you'll find that to be true. Now, if there's a chance that you can't find that to be true, there is a chance you're not even born again. The Bible says that to be born again, you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Some people have just confessed with their mouth and have never believed in their heart. That's Romans, that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Uh, so maybe you need to go back and you need to combine the two. You need to believe in your heart and then confess with your mouth. Just because you repeated something someone said doesn't mean you believed it. Hallelujah. You know that to be true. And in, and in the culture, this false facade, uh, fake culture that we live in, fake book, come on, false book, I'm talking about Facebook. It's more like fake book. In this, in this culture where you can project, there's a lot of things that people are saying that they just don't believe. There's a lot of things that people are trying to be and do that they're really fake about it. They're false about it. Uh, they don't really believe it. And church things fit right into that category. There are people who are showing up on Sunday and they're singing all these songs only to prove Monday that they didn't believe a word of it. So just because you've gone to church your entire life doesn't mean you are a Christian. It doesn't mean that you're born again. There were uh, a very interesting study in the New Testament is to look at the devout uh, men and women who weren't born again. Very interesting study. In fact, after Jesus was raised from the dead in the book of Acts, we find out that there was a commissioning that uh, certain apostles were sent to certain devout ones to minister to them Jesus so that they could be born again. They were devoutly religious but weren't born again. There is a lot of people in the church today. You've, you were raised in the church. You were uh, brought up in the, in the church. You might even serve in the church. You might even be a pastor. I've heard of dozens of stories of pastors that were pastoring churches and were not even born again. 
they had the form. Come on, somebody. They had the protocol. They had the pattern. They knew what to do. They knew what to say. They they knew how to dig around in a book called the Bible and come up with three things to share in, in 15 minutes on a Sunday morning, but they weren't born again. Listen, you've got to believe in your heart and then confess with your mouth. You have to believe the confession. Hallelujah. That's how you know that you are truly a disciple. You believe what you're saying. If, if you don't believe what you're saying, but you're still doing something or following after something, you're fake, you're a phony, you're a hypocrite, and you're going to be exposed. Hallelujah. Unless you get born again and genuinely turn your life over to Jesus Christ. Listen, don't delay, friends, except Jesus today. So we combine those two things. When you are born again, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit bore witness in your spirit. It wasn't outside. It wasn't external. He didn't bear witness with your mind. He didn't bear witness with your flesh. He bore witness with your spirit that you are now born again and you are a son of God. There's several reasons for this. One of them just off the top of my uh, head that I'm thinking of here is because when you're born again, now you have the Zoe life. Listen, this is how you get into heaven. If you don't get life before you leave this earth, you're not going to heaven. Zoe life is the result. Zoe is the essence of God, the nature of God. Zoe is what God, uh, man, I, I don't even know how to say it. It is how he exists. And we have access to that because he gave Jesus this life. Jesus said in John that I've come uh, uh, that you might have what? Life or Zoe. So Jesus is that access. And uh, through that Zoe life, that DNA, basically, uh, you if, if you're born again, you have the DNA of the Father. You know, I've got four children, and it's amazing how they have my DNA. Uh, they have my wife's DNA, and sometimes we just laugh because they'll, they'll do a thing or say a thing or act a certain way, and they're like, wow, that is like a mirror image. Why? Because they have our DNA. And, and and they're they're so part of us that they 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 look like us, they act like us, they they move like us, and yet they're like this distinct person here. Well, when you have the Zoe life, then you're 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 connected to your father. You 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 you'll think like him, move like him, act like him. Why? Because you're born of him. Now the Bible tells us. Um, the Bible tells us in. Let me see here. I'm trying to get the scripture. Where is it at here? It's in my notes. And there it is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, it says that when you are joined to the Lord, how are you joined to him? By being born again. When you're joined with the Lord, you are one spirit with him. Hallelujah. If you're joined to the Lord, you're one spirit with him. Well, how are you one with him? because the presence of the Zoe life. Okay, so that's one way, biblically, scripturally, and we could take time to cover all the scriptures that deal with the life of God. Uh, John, several chapters in the book of John, uh, even in the first, second, third Johns, uh, just several scriptures that talk about the life of God on the inside of you. The life is the result of being born again. And through that life, through that DNA transfer, the spiritual DNA, 
you will know that you are a son of God because you, you can't help it. You will move, talk, think, and the spirit is bearing witness with you. The spirit is on the inside of you saying, look, 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 you're of your father. Look, 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 you're born again. Look, you are different. Look, look, look. And, and you'll desire to do things that you didn't desire to do the day before you were born again. Hallelujah. Because your whole nature is different now. You, you are a brand new creature. All, all things, all old things are done away with now. Hallelujah. Behold, it says, all things are new. And the spirit on the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is telling your spirit, man, look at you. You're brand new. Hallelujah. Now, the most important thing that has ever happened to you, which is being born again. If you're not born again, you need to get born again. That, that will be the most important thing, this side of heaven, that will happen to you. The most important thing. There's lots of other tremendous, amazing things that are awaiting but the most important thing is getting born again. Think about this. If that's the most important thing, that right there, that transition from death into life was confirmed to you on the inside or within your spirit. So remember we were talking about the woman at the well. And again, this is the whole setup. Jesus was telling her that soon you won't have to worship at this physical location here or over there or at a certain physical mountain or whatever, but rather because God was seeking uh, worshipers and because God is a spirit, he was seeking those who would worship him in spirit. And Jesus was simply setting the stage for spirits to be born anew and a covenant made with these same living spirits. So now we fast forward and our spirits that are born again under the new covenant, now we don't or can't commune with God in soul or body, but now we commune with him in spirit with our recreated spirits. Um, you and him are now one, him and I, you and him. We are now one in him in spirit. Notice that the Bible says, we're not uh, one in flesh with him. It says he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him, not one body or even one soul. No, we're one spirit with him. Why is that? Because you are not a soul. You are not a body. You are a spirit. What is God? Is God a soul? No. The Bible says that he is a spirit. Is God a body? No, Jesus took upon flesh, but God is what? God is a spirit. When you were born again, you are a spirit, a living spirit now. You're alive un unto God. You have the Zoe life of God, the force, the life force that you are living by. The Greek word is Zoe. You got the life of God in you now. So God is a spirit and he desires to interact or excuse me, he desires to interact through the spirit to spirits. Again, now that you and God are one, he uses or utilizes your spirit man or your inner man or 
I'll read you a scripture here from First Peter, the hidden man of the heart. That's what that's what the uh, King James, New King James says in First Peter chapter three. Look at this in verses three and four. It says, "Do not let your adornment be merely outward." Well, that's interesting. The arranging of the hair, wearing gold or jewelry or other um, items like that, or putting on a fine apparel. Now, there's nothing wrong, obviously, with outward adornment, but notice the point that is being made here. He says in verse 4, 1 Peter 3, 4, rather, let it be the what? The hidden person of the heart, the hidden man of the heart, or the spirit man, or the inner man, the innermost man. He says, there is an incorruptible beauty. It's gentle and quiet which is very precious in the sight of God. Listen, you, again, you are a spirit. You are not a body. You are not a brain. You are not just a soul floating in the ethers. You are a spirit created in the image and the likeness of God. God is a spirit. So he says, <coughs> excuse me, he says, if you are going to prioritize, prioritize adorning the real you. A lot of people spend a lot of time, nothing wrong, okay? Now, there is a point, obviously, there is a point where it becomes vanity. There is a point where it becomes lustful. I'm not saying it's sexual. It can't include that. But I'm saying that there's a lust of the flesh. And the flesh would rather be adorned over the spirit because the flesh wants to, if possible, dominate. You've got to put the flesh under. The Bible says that's the part that dies daily. The fleshy part, the carnal part, the part of you that's more, uh, for some, that's more alive to the natural, 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 natural. It's natural-minded, earthly-minded, sensual, James says. Sense, sense, sensual. Not saying sexual, it can include that, but sensual, sensual, sensible, sensable. That part of you has to come under the dominion of your spirit man. God would rather you be more alive to spiritual things than to natural things. So part of the practical walking out of that is to not adorn the outward man at the expense of the inward man. Nothing wrong with dressing nice. Nothing wrong with uh, looking good fixing your hair, wearing jewelry. I, I, I know there are people that are opposed to all of that. They don't really do much with their hair. They don't put on makeup. They don't wear jewelry. They don't do any of these things. And listen, you can or can't. I mean, there's no right or wrong per se. But what we're saying is ultimately that if you, if you do adorn the outward man, don't do it at the expense of the inward man. What's more precious in the eyes of God, the outward man or the inward man? The inward man is more precious to God than your outward man. So God uses, he utilizes your spirit or your inner man. And uh, look at this in Proverbs 20, verse 27. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. And it says this, that the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. Another translation says candle. The spirit of a man is the lamp or the candle, or we, or we could say the light 
of the Lord. Now, what does that verse mean? Well, it means this. When God wants to illuminate or enlighten, enlighten is a compound word, enlighten, has the word light in it. Uh, there's a scripture in Psalm 119, 130. It says that the entrance of his words gives light. Now, uh, I think you understand this, but there is an association here that the kingdom of God is the kingdom of light. The kingdom of Satan is the kingdom of darkness. Okay? Darkness, uh, and there's a literal manifestation of it where it's dark. But darkness is without. It's, it's the absence of something. It's the absence of light. Light in the kingdom of God refers to truth. It refers to life. Uh, in John, it says that he, that uh, this life was the light of man. This life is also referring to the word. Because in the word, come on, he upholds all things by the word of his power. So light is knowledge knowledge of God, knowledge of how things work in the spirit according to God, not how things work in the spirit according to Satan because that's a perversion and a twisting. That's darkness. And you can be full of darkness. You can have your, 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 your mind, your soul filled with dark things, or you can be filled with things of the light. Remember he talks about get, get things into the light. What does that mean? Bring it out into the open. The realm of Satan is the realm of, of, of hidden things, hidden agenda, uh, a dark agenda. So he's talking about that when God wants to illuminate, when he wants to speak to you, because the entrance of his words gives light. When he wants to speak to you, where will he speak? Or to what does he communicate to, through, with? Well, we found out that he is a spirit. So he's not going to illuminate a soul or a brain in the ethers because there is no such, such thing. He's not going to enlighten or illuminate a body because the Bible says that to be absent from the body is to what? Be present with the Lord that when your spirit would leave this body, what happens to this body? It'll die. It'll cease to exist. Now there are there is some technology that can manually keep your heart pumping and blood flowing through your body. And there is a form of a existence that this body could maintain for some period of, 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 of time. But if there's no spirit in there, there's no life in the, in, in there. It, it would just be a suit, a tent that's been propped up. When God wants to speak to you, He's not speaking to your body. He's not speaking to the tent. He's speaking to you, the spirit on the inside of that tent. So this scripture says that the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. So when God wants to speak to you, he will light up your spirit. That's what that means. When God wants to communicate with you, if he wants to enlighten you, if wisdom, if, if there's a transfer of wisdom, where does that wisdom go? It, it leaves him. It comes from him. Where does it go? It goes into your spirit. Your spirit is his light. Your spirit is his candle. If he's going to illuminate you with something spiritual, he's going to illuminate your spirit, meaning that's where you will hear God. That's where you will communicate with him, 
That's where you will receive from him. He doesn't light up your soul. He doesn't light up your mind. Now, your spirit may light up your mind. And this is where people, um, if, if I could explain it like this, wisdom and revelation knowledge enters into my spirit by way of Holy Spirit. But then my spirit will light up upon my mind or will illuminate my mind or instruct my mind with something. And my mind then, because I need my soul realm, my soul realm is what connects me to, to the natural realm. I need my mind. I need my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. I need that to interact with the natural realm. And so my spirit, once I get something from Holy Spirit, it will illuminate my mind. I will have knowledge, come on, by way of my spirit. And then my mind can take that. And then I can give command to my physical body and walk out or prove now or allow now the revelation that I received from the word, from Holy Spirit, from Jesus, from Heavenly Father. So he doesn't light up your leg. He doesn't light up your arm. He doesn't light up your stomach. He doesn't light up your toes or your fingers or your nose like Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. No, he lights up your spirit. Your body is not the lamp. Your soul is not the lamp. Your spirit is the lamp. Why does he choose your spirit? Because he is a spirit. He's not a soul. He's not a brain. He's not a body. He's a spirit. So he lights up your spirit because he is a spirit. Um, here's another verse that's real similar. Psalm 18, verse 28. And it says this, for you will light my lamp. Another translation says candle. The Lord will enlighten my darkness. Oh, interesting. What does that mean? Again, where does God speak to you? People say, I've heard God audibly. And that is a contingency. And if we have time, we'll get into that. But that's, but that is rare. And uh, in fact, let me just answer that now in case we don't get to it. It is true that there have been natural, in particularly in the Old Testament, there have been natural manifestations and demonstrations of God proving himself through natural means. For example, Gideon with the fleece in Judges. But Gideon wasn't born again. Under the Old Testament, people weren't born again. There was no spirit within them dwelling. There was a spirit that came upon them. They were anointed for service, but they didn't have the Holy Ghost. Their spirits weren't recreated. Their spirits weren't born again. There was a sacrificial system that they operated through to be able to present themselves before the Lord. But under the New Testament, you're born again. And your spirit man is recreated and is able now to commune directly with God. Gideon, for example, and the plethora of other stories in the Old Testament, they didn't have that. They needed a natural way of proving, testing, proving that God was uh, really, that it was him who was saying to do this and that or say such and such. And so there was a natural element there because their spirits weren't born again. Their spirits weren't the lamp of the Lord in the Old Testament. And, uh, but now that we're born again, our spirit, our recreated spirit, can commune directly with, with God. This is what Jesus was telling the woman at the well. That very soon, listen, you're going to be able to worship him directly because he's spirit. And he's seeking those who will worship him in spirit. And so now, God is just elated. I mean, so enthusiastic 
that now he can commune directly with his children by way of the spirit. You don't need a fleece and you don't need a prophet in the New Testament. We don't need a prophet today the way we needed a prophet then. They weren't, they didn't, they didn't have a recreated spirit. God couldn't speak to them or minister it to them. James said, if you lack wisdom, what? Let him ask of God who gives liberally. Come on. They didn't have that. They had to go to a prophet. There were three people primarily or three offices that, that had the anointing on them in order to communicate to the people about God's will, the king, the priest, and the prophet. But in the New Testament, we're all kings and priests now unto the Lord. Why? Because he can commune directly with our spirits. And that's, that, that's his choice. That's his preference. Um, now, there, there is a contingency. People say, I've heard God audibly. Well, praise God for that. But the reason why that there would be natural um, demonstrations of God leading people is because of the hardness or the immaturity of people's spirits an underdeveloped spirit. Let me get a, um, a particular statement here. Right here. Very seldom under the new covenant does God ever lead anyone through the flesh. Okay, this is the natural. Uh, when he does, it's only when people are so spiritually insensitive and dull that they would not understand his leading any other way. Now, that that's tremendous. That's the mercy of God. But I'm telling you, he would rather commune with you uh, directly spirit to spirit. And that, that is the primary way. That is the primary way that he will lead any and all of his children. Again, I go back to that thing that uh, uh, of that verse where we first started out that you have the witness in yourself. The greatest thing that ever happened to you was being born again. And he didn't confirm that outwardly. He didn't confirm that through the flesh. He confirmed it in your spirit. And that set the precedent that if that was the most important thing that has ever happened to you, why would he violate the precedent and lead you now through any other means? Well, because he doesn't want to. And uh, there will be a point to where uh, we will have to develop our communion with him via the spirit. He's not going to continue to lead you through the flesh because that would keep you it would handicap you uh the, it it would keep you in a immature state of development remember what what we found out in romans that those who are led come on by the spirit are what sons of god the greek word sons is the word huios there's five one two three four five primary Greek words that speak to spiritual development. Sons means mature. And if you read that uh, verse in the Passion Translation, uh, that's Romans 8, 14, the Passion Translation says this, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Where are those Im impulses? In your spirit. So the mature ones of God aren't led by natural things or through the flesh or through the soul. No, God's not going to speak to your mind, not when he sent Jesus to pay the price to recreate your spirit. He's not going to speak to your body. When he paid the price 
uh, sent Jesus to pay the price so that you could be born again so that your spirit could commune with him. He's not going to violate even what Jesus said to the woman at the well. That, that was the whole issue is that they felt like that they needed a particular place, a natural building, a natural mountain, a natural location, a this, a that, a this, a that. But because they couldn't meet all those re requirements, now they were ostracized and alienated from God. He said, no, 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 no. God's looking for those who will worship him in spirit. Jesus did not say that I'm going to go to the cross so you can worship him through the flesh. Now, there is an outward expression. We raise our hands. We bow. But that's only because this physical body is now in dominion or submitted to my spirit. My spirit is giving expression through my physical body. That's not true for a lot of folk, though, that their body does what it, whatever it wants. I mean, 10 minutes into the sermon, and they're already snoozing and falling asleep and thinking about lunch. That's not your spirit, man. That's your flesh dominating. There are people who are tuning out, uh, or they don't tune in at all. They don't have any time with the Lord, no fellowship. There's no spiritual disciplines at all. Why? Because they're giving more to the flesh than they are to their spirit. Spirit man's hungering after God. It desires to commune with him. It has his very life on the inside of it. But sometimes that gets repressed or it gets dominated by the flesh rather than the spirit dominating the flesh. All right, what do we got here? We got a couple more minutes left. So Psalm, Psalms 18, 28 says, you will light my lamp. He will light up your spirit when he communicates with you. So if you're listening for him, you're not listening with these flappers on the outside of your head. That's your natural ears. It can hear natural things, but your natural ears uh, are not the dominant way that God's going to communicate uh, to you spiritual things. It'll be the ears, so to speak, of your spirit. That's what he's going to light up. If you want to hear from God, you're going to have to look inside. Now, if you're listening to me, obviously you can't see me. You can go to facebook.com forward slash grace for this city podcast and you can watch the podcast, but uh, when God speaks to you, this is the best way I know how to explain it, that it comes up from your inner man. It comes up kind of like from, now, it's not in your stomach. It's not in your intestines. But in the core of your body, it seems like your inner man resides in the core of who you are. It's not in your finger. It's not in your toes. But in the very center of who you are. And for me, this, this may not be true for everybody. It'll be mostly true for everybody. But whenever the Lord speaks to me, it's like it's coming from the inside of me, the very core of who I am. That's where my spirit is. And so usually um, when I'm uh, hearing something from the Lord, I have uh, found that I'll put my hand on my stomach, and that's just to help me focus in on tuning in here. I'm not tuning in outside of myself. Listen, the devil, Ephesians talks about the fiery darts are aimed at the, at the mind. The devil, because he's trapped in a natural state, he's, he's after your mind. He's, he's trying to pervert your mind. He's trying to get your mind more on natural things than on spiritual things. That's the strategy of the realm of darkness, is to keep you dark to the reality of the existence of God, the plan of Jesus, the cross, being born again, your spiritual dominion, your place of being seated at the right hand of the Heavenly Father in the heavenly places. The devil works diligently to keep you in the natural realm. 
Okay, because the natural realm is easily manipulated. That's the power of darkness. The power of darkness is the attempted ability to hide things in plain sight. Well, he does that in the natural realm. And so uh, whenever there's like a strategy of the devil, it seems like those thoughts, those things that I'm hearing, those ideas, those suggestions come from outside of me. Again, you can't see me if you're listening to the podcast, but um, if you could put your, if you stretch your hands out on, on either side of your body, as far as you can stretch them, and then take your finger and point and bring your hands in and touch your head, that's, that's where the thoughts of the devil, that's where the strategy of the devil, that's where the demonic realm, that's where Satan, that's where the demons, they're out here, they're outside of you. If you're born again, you're not possessed by a demon. So there is outside of you thoughts, ideas, and suggestions coming into your mind. If you're born again, they're not coming into your spirit. You're not possessed by a demon. If you're born again, they're coming outside of you towards your mind, towards your mind. Those are the things that you've got to be watchful of. Now, sometimes you can think up your own things inside your own mind. But things that come up out of your spirit or the voice of your spirit, which is the conscience, it'll come from within, almost like it comes from your belly. And it'll come up to your mind, not outside and in, but from within and up to your mind. Now, Holy Ghost will speak to your spirit. He won't speak directly to your mind. He'll speak to your spirit. God will speak to your spirit. The word speaks to your spirit. And out of your spirit, you will light up on your mind. You'll have an idea. You'll have a suggestion. There'll be a hope. Rise up out of your spirit. It'll light out. It'll light upon your mind. Those are the things that you can trust. You can trust those unctions. That's another word is an unction. You can trust that unction. You can trust that leading. You want to be... Uh, cautious, watchful about being led by external things because they can be manipulated. Things don't always, things aren't always as they appear. But on the inside, that's where light is. That's where revelation knowledge is. On the inside, come on, Holy Spirit and you seated at the right hand of the Father spiritually, you have a perspective you don't have in the natural your soul and body does not have the same perspective your spirit does. You don't always want to trust a random thought. You don't want to trust an urge of the flesh. But you can trust an unction from your spirit man. And if, if you will differentiate the three parts of you, your spirit, your soul, your body, then you will learn to be led of the Lord and have success 100% of the time. Once you distinguish those realms, those parts of you, and you begin to zero in that you only do what comes up out of your spirit, man, you'll start having success 100% of the time. Now, if, if you lean on or trust in your own understanding, which is natural soulish things or flesh, flesh insight, things that your five senses of your flesh pick up, 
data that it puts up into your mind based on what it can see, touch, smell in the natural realm, you could be misled often. But if you trust your spirit, where Holy Spirit is, where you're communing with the word, where you're communing with the father, you can trust that unction and you'll be right 100% of the time. If you don't lean on your own understanding, if you're not led by the flesh or led by the soul, if you're led by the spirit, you'll be right and you'll do right and God will be pleased. But you gotta know the difference. So again, where's God going to speak? Now, he may use natural things, but it's only because you're insensitive spiritually. The Bible makes the clear case that God sent Jesus Christ so that he could commune with you and you could worship him in spirit. He's going to choose 99.99% of the time to commune with you in your spirit. So your spirit will light up. Look at Job 38. Job 38, verse 36. Now, Job is um, potentially one of the oldest books in the Bible. And there was a righteousness, but it was a righteousness. Of course, it was a righteousness based um, in a, a sacrificial system, an old covenant system. It was a righteousness based on very little knowledge, though. In fact, we found out in the book of Job that his righteousness, he was, was righteous. God called him righteous, but he didn't have much knowledge in it. He loved God uh, with everything that he understood. And he walked in the light that he had. He just didn't have very much light. And the devil exploited his ignorance. We found that out in the book of Corinthians. Paul, through, by way of the Holy Spirit, said, look, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices lest he take advantage of you. Well, listen, Job didn't have Paul's writings. Job didn't understand the revelation that came about in the New Testament through Paul prim primarily. He didn't have that. So there has been vast, oh man, hallelujah, by way of the Holy Ghost, there has been a vast increase in our understanding and knowledge of how things work in the spirit that Job did not have. And, and when you're reading Job, so many people mess up. I mean, they butcher Job. I mean, they are so off on the book of, of Job. And the, and the Lord's helping us get more clear understanding. But I'm telling you, if you didn't look at Job in light of the New Testament realities of who you are in Christ Jesus, if, if you don't filter Job through that filter, you're going to misinterpret Job. And people still misinterpret Job. There are doctrines built upon the book of Job that put more faith in Job's boils than in Jesus' stripes. Now, Job, we find out that Satan already had Job. He was lusting after Job. And that's what the Lord said. He said, why have you set your heart on Job? The devil responds because he's mad at Job because God's blessed him because of his righteousness. Both God and the devil know that Job's righteousness is based on very little knowledge. Job admits that in chapter 42. And this is where I want to go. Uh, chapter 38 and chapter 42. So Job gets himself in this position, loses all of his possessions, loses his children, almost loses his wife. Boils come upon his body, very painful. He's cutting himself with broken pottery. This, this guy's in, in a mess. The whole time he didn't sin uh, against God, but in his, in his ignorance, he thought that Satan was God. Remember what we found out in the New Testament, that you're to resist the devil and he'll flee from you. 
he didn't know to resist the devil because he didn't know that the devil was the devil. He thought God was doing this to him. This is where poor, bad doctrine about God uh, has come from. A lot of it's come from Job and other areas, but uh, people are still doing the same thing. They're not resisting the devil because they think God's doing it. If you think God's harming you, you're not going to resist God. Who resists God? Who resists God? Nobody wants to resist God. You want to resist the devil, not God. The Bible says to humble yourself before God. So people are trying to do that. But if you think Satan is God, then you're not going to resist him. And this is where people lock up through ignorance, and the devil exploits that. So Job's in this position, all right? And then there's several chapters of Job's friends talking. Listen, don't quote Job's friends as if it's gospel. It's recorded for our sake, but it's not gospel. People are quoting from certain chapters of Job as if it's revelation knowledge of how things work in the spirit, but it's not. It's Job's friends who are just as ignorant as Job was. Now, in chapter 42, or in chapter 38, we be, God begins to get involved in the situation because here is a righteous man getting exploited by Satan. God begins to get involved and begins to reveal himself to Job. And in chapter 38, there's something very important um, that is significant to the story of Job, but it's also uh, significant for our lesson today. And here is what God says to Job. He says, who puts wisdom in the inward parts? Oh, hallelujah. Now, this is, this is um, going to be sealed in a new covenant reality after Jesus. But here's God saying, who puts wisdom in the inward parts? Or where does wisdom enter? If wisdom was going to enter, where would it go? Where, if God was going to put wisdom in you, where would he put it? Would he put it in your toe? Would he put it in your kneecap? Would he put it in your lungs? No, he puts it in your, in your inward man. And then it says, who gives understanding to the heart? Heart's not referring to the blood pump in your chest. Heart's referring to the inward most part of you. Heart's referring to the real you, the spirit man. God's beginning to reveal, where does this go? It doesn't go to the flesh. It doesn't go to the brain. It goes to your spirit first then your spirit takes that knowledge and then your spirit puts your soul and your flesh in a place of submission to the reality of the truth. Hallelujah. Now, let me give you the key here to Job since I brought it up. Job chapter 42. And uh, this is not our lesson on Job, but I just, because so many people butcher Job, here's the key to unlock the book of Job. Job admits the uh, Job, Job, Job admits what has gone on this entire time. Now, this is after God begins to reveal himself. Uh, God gets involved in the story somewhere around, what, chapter 36, 37, something, something like that. And we get all the way to chapter 42. It's the last chapter of the book of Job. And here, here's what Job says. Then Job answered the Lord, verse 1 of chapter 42. God reveals himself, Job answers. He says, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Very interesting. Uh, therefore, Job says, I have uttered what I did not understand. Listen, Job was taken advantage of because of his ignorance. All right? 
Then he says this. He says, uh, in verse 4, or excuse me, verse 3, he said, I uttered things I didn't understand, things too wonderful for me, means things beyond me, things beyond my comprehension, which I did not know. Wow, Job admits there's a lot of things that he didn't know. Well, hello, and what you didn't know was used against you. Verse 4, listen, please let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. Verse 5, right here. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. This is where Job realizes that the only knowledge he had of God was knowledge that he got through the natural realm. You know, he maybe looked, looked, looked at the sky. He looked at the mountains. He looked at creation. He said, surely there is a God, okay? He had a natural understanding of creator God. Listen, he did not have a revelation. This is what he admits right here in verse 5. He said, but now my eyes. Well, what eyes is he referring to? He's not talking about his natural eyes. He's talking about the eyes of his heart. God just told him, listen, wisdom's going to come to your inner man. Right here, he's God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. God gave him a revelation. And now he's seeing the difference between Satan and and God, and he goes on to say, he says, therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. What is he repenting of, I wonder? Well, I bet he's saying to himself, if only I had known that it was Satan and not you, I wouldn't have lost everything and I wouldn't have lost, lost my children. And my wife, come on, she wouldn't have told me to curse God and die. No, 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 don't curse God. This isn't God. God's not your problem. Satan is. But he had a revelation. Where did that revelation enter into his heart? He had a knowledge of God, but he didn't have wisdom on the inside. He, he wasn't illuminated, but God illuminated him. Praise God, and he'll do the same for you. Listen, you and I don't have to relive Job's story because we have new covenant promises now. We know now, by way of revelation knowledge, who to resist and who to submit to. Praise God. For that you never have to lose your things. You never have to lose your children. You never have to suffer under painful boils at the whim of the devil because you're told now in the New Testament to resist that and it'll flee from you. Job didn't have that knowledge, did he? But you and I do. So again, the number one way that God is going to instruct you is through the inward man. Let's close with this one here. This is the last one. Psalm 32, 8 and nine psalm 32 8 and 9 it says this in verse 8 and this is god he says i will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go i will guide you with my eye verse 9 but do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding now we need to add the word in there for clarity what's he what what's what's he talking about he's talking about spiritual un, un, understanding How's God going to lead you? Through the inward man. He said, don't be like the horse and the mule who have no understanding or no spiritual understanding, which must be harnessed with a bit and bridle. Again, notice what the Lord's saying here, that he's going to guide us. He's going to lead us. He sent his son, Jesus. Come on. So you and I could be born again and born again as sons. He's going to lead us and train us and guide us like any good father would his son but he warned don't be like the horse or the mule which can't be led from within but only from without 
they can only be led with an accompanying strong physical persuasion by the bit and the bridle they are led about. In effect, he is saying this, I will not lead you through physical manipulatives, but rather by your inner man. Hallelujah, friends. Well, that's whoa. that's all the time we have on the podcast. I played the wrong music. Thank you so much for tuning in. Listen, develop your inner man. Refuse to allow the devil to manipulate you by natural things. Listen, if all your adornment and all your trust and all your hope is that God's going to make a cable move on, on, on the ground or a door open and shut, listen, the devil will exploit that. And the devil can make stuff move. He can make a door open. He can o- open a window. He, he, he can move an object across the room. Listen, don't allow the enemy to exploit you by you developing yourself only being led by natural, physical, manipulatable things. It is your covenant right to be led by the inward man. That still small voice, the unction of the Holy Ghost, the declarative word of the Lord on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Listen, friends, if we can help you in in any way, it would be our honor to do so. If you'd like somebody to agree with you in prayer, on anything that concerns you, give us a call, 870-741-9099. Leave a message. Somebody will get right back with you. Or send us an email, hello at gracecitychurch.tv. That's hello at gracecitychurch.tv. I want to give a big shout-out also to all of our friends, our partners, people who support us. Pray for us. Thank you so much. You're helping us to get the word out there. That is our mission, get the word out there there. If you'd like to join and become a partner of the, of the podcast, several ways to do that. Of course, if you'd like to financially support us, if you're in the United States, you can text to give 84321. That's 84321. Follow the prompts. Also, you can uh, go to the website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give or snail mail. P.O. Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas, seven two six. Zero two. That's a way to financially support the podcast. But listen, I'm also asking that you would pray for us. Pray that this podcast would get to the right people and they would be encouraged and blessed. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, friend, for tuning in today. This has been the Grace for This City podcast. And until next time, be blessed. Be blessed.